Well, good morning, church. Let's stand together. Look to your neighbor, say, welcome to church. Here we go. Darkness run for cover But the miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven I believe in signs and wonders I have resurrection power Still the miracle that I just can't get over My name Testimony from death to life, cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony.
my foes. My foes are men. They rise against me, but I will hold my ground. I will not fear the war. I will not fear the storm. My help is on the way. My help is on the way. Sing it out.
starts in that surrender. I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I Come on, that's where change starts. Can we surrender this morning? Everybody in this place, sing it out. I surrender when we surrender to you and I pray this morning everybody will just fall at your feet I know for my life I'm tired of always playing church and not being the church and I pray that in my own life that you'll reignite that fire and I pray that for our church in Jesus name that you'll meet us right where we are this morning we don't have to have everything together we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to build up any walls or any facades to look a certain way. That we can come to you and your throne this morning and lay it all at your feet. And surrender it all. And I pray that for our church and I pray that in my own life, for my family's life, and for you and your family. In Jesus' name, let's all believe this together. Everybody said, amen. How many people know that he's good? Not just some of the time, right? He is good all the time. So awesome to know that when he, when we are faithless, he's faithful. And uh, we're so excited about what God is doing and his faithfulness. Uh, how many people uh, were able to, to come out to Trunk or Treat yesterday? How many people... Uh, Felt it this morning when you started to get out of bed. Uh, we were here, and it was a long day, and we had um, uh, over 300 kids uh, from the community actually come and, and to be part of, of uh, Trunk or Treat. We had uh, over 500 people uh, that came, and uh, we were able to uh, build some relationships. 
and we were able to uh, give out a bunch of candy. And uh, it was my job. Uh, we had a trunk, but it, my wife handled that. And it was my job to go around and sample all the candy to make sure that it was safe to give the kids. And I um, uh, only found one piece that wasn't, uh, wasn't uh, what it should have been. Uh, but we, um, we got to do a lot and a lot of ministry and, and a lot of connections. And thank you for, uh, for coming out to be a part of that, whether you came and uh, just, uh, just showed up just to show support, uh, whatever it was. We thank you for that. Thank you for your giving and, and your donations of candy. And uh, it was just a, an awesome, awesome time. I had one lady come up to me and she said, I've been to a lot of these. And uh, number one, you people are the nicest people I've ever met. And, uh, and then she said, this is the, the best uh, trunk or treat that, uh, and she sounded like a professional trunk or treater. Uh, I think she had hit them all and she will hit them all. She said, uh, this is the best that I've ever been a part of. And uh, that's what we want the community to know. Uh, that, that we love God and we love the community, and so thank you for that. Um, be sure, and uh, just a couple of quick things, uh, coming up November the 6th, it's hard to believe that uh, as a church, uh, some of you may or may not know that we are celebrating 15 years this November. Uh, this journey started back in 2006 at uh, 1701 Central Avenue, and uh, we were there until 2019, and moved here uh, two years ago, and uh, God has just been moving and, and blessing and adding families and, and as we continue to do ministry, but we're celebrating 15 years. And uh, so on the weekend of uh, November the 6th, uh, on a Saturday night, we're having uh, Jason Crabb and Mickey Bell. And if you weren't here uh, when they came in, in the spring, it was just an awesome time, and uh, they wanted to come back. And, and that says something for our church, because uh, these, these are they're big-name artists, and uh, they wanted to come back, and they wanted to be a part of our celebrating 15 years, and they believe in what we're doing here. So I encourage you. Uh, we've been sending out links. We haven't made it public yet because uh, I've been told as soon as we do that, uh, that the place is going to fill up. So I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to do that. So uh, try to do that today if, uh, if you can at all possible because we're about two weeks away, and uh, we want to make sure that uh, that that you guys get a chance, but then after that, we're going to make sure that people in the community get a chance as well. I had somebody message me and uh, say, you know, can we come? My daughter loves Jason Crabb, and uh, we live two and a half hours away, uh, but if you'll let us come, we're coming, and so how could you say no to a six-year-old, right? I said, uh, so come on, and, uh, but I hope that you plan on being a part of that. Also remember, we're in the middle of a, um, a building fund uh, I guess drive, I hate to say that because it sounds so old school, you know. Uh, I told, somebody mentioned how many people were part of that uh, generation where they would, you know, they were trying to raise money for the building fund and they would uh, take like a, a thermometer and put it on a, like a piece of poster board and then they would color it in with red as, you know, they would have kids church. It was a big thing and they were trying to get to that goal. Um, so uh, I don't, I'm not past that. Uh, but what we've had, we've had somebody come to us and say, listen, uh, we know that, uh, that there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and, and uh, we want to bless the church. So for every dollar that's given uh, during and through the end of November, we want to match that up to $20,000. And so this is a great opportunity for us to, uh, to do some things that need to be done and uh, things that we've been putting off and just saying, well, you know, we'll get to it when we can. So I pray that you will continue to be faithful and you'll think about that and, and know that, uh, that God's going to use that to not just to, to make the building look prettier, but to help us do ministry and, uh, because that's what it's all about. So last week we talked about the subject, there's more. 
and how that God has more for us. We, uh, we thanked him for our salvation because without that, we understand that there is absolutely no way to God. Without that, we know that we'll never see him. So we understand that. Without that, there's no way that our relationship could ever be reconciled with the Father, that relationship that, that had been strained. So I'm, I'm thankful that, that God sent his Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to, to save the world through him. And so if you've entered into a relationship with Christ, you understand and you know that that is the most important thing that you can do. And if you have not, that is the first step. But as I was looking two weeks ago, and, and I told you last week, it was just a rough week, and I, I began to just ask God some questions. You know, God is not offended by our questions. Our questions do not intimidate Him or, or, or scare Him. And I began to, to ask the question, God, if, if people are doing everything that they can do, if, if they are, they've entered into a relationship to follow you, why is it so hard to live victorious? God, why is it that, that there's so many Christ followers living in depression, dissatisfaction, disappointment? Why is it that so many followers of Christ have anger or anxiety? God, why are so many followers of you beat up or, or beat down or, or bruised? Why does it seem like that at every turn that we're, that we're losing? And as I began to, to look and, and to pray, and, and, and I believe that, that God showed me that the reason that this happens is because a lot of people think that when they walk in and enter into a relationship with Christ, that that's the end. But in all actuality, ending... Entering into a relationship with him is not the end, but it's just the beginning. Entering into a relationship is a starting point, but there's more. I mean, Jesus was walking on this earth. He was walking with his disciples, people that, these guys that he had been training for three years, guys that should have been and understood what ministry was all about. They, should have, they knew how to go about it. I mean, they had walked with Jesus. But Jesus looked at them and said, I have to go away because when I do, the Father will send to you another. And he was talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' last words before he left this earth was, he said, I know you guys think that you have it all figured out. I know that you think because you've been walking with me for three years and you've seen me die on the cross and, and raise from the dead that, that you can do these things but he said, don't do anything until you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Don't try to do anything on your own power. They had a relationship with Jesus, but they needed the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to live out that relationship. Without the Holy Spirit, it's impossible. But the reality is, is that so many people are confused by the person of the Holy Spirit. Whatever your story might be, Whatever the reason might be that, that you've come to a conclusion that, that you know, I'm okay with, with God the Father. I'm okay with Jesus the Son, but, but the Holy Spirit, let's just let, let's put him up there on the shelf because I don't understand it. So last week we tried to ease some of, your, some of your fears and some of your questions. If you didn't get to hear that message, I encourage you to, to go listen. But today I want to build off of what we talked about last week. I want to look a little deeper into the purpose of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, last week, we just looked at Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. This week, I, I want to, to look at the entire vision, the entire prophecy that was given to Zechariah in chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 1. It says, Then the angel who talked with me returned and woke me up, like someone had awakened from sleep. He asked me, What do you see? And I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it, with seven channels to the lamps. And also there are two olive trees by it, one on the right bowl, one on the left of the bowl. And I asked the angel, who talked with me? What are these, my Lord? And he answered, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I replied. And so he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And so when we look at the word spirit here, uh, we understand and realize from last week that, that there's the word in the Old Testament is ruach. The word in the New Testament in the Greek is pneuma. But it simply means wind or breath. And so we begin to, to look at this, and, and God says, it's not by your strength, but it's just by my spirit. There's a picture here of what God is saying. And I want you to, to, to see this picture of what this vision is. And here you have two olive trees, and you have a lampstand. And connected to the, the bowl on the left and on the right is a branch from that olive tree. And so when you think about this and you think about our lives, we have to understand and realize that in the Bible, oil is a representation of the Holy Spirit. And so when we look at this picture, when we hear this vision and we see this prophecy, we have to know that, that we have to be constantly filled from the Holy Spirit and by the Holy Spirit. And that's a representation of this oil. Because what happens is, is if it's not connected if it's not continually getting that oil, then, then it's going to burn out. But as long as it's connected and as long as it's being filled, it's going to keep burning. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Luke wrote, And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. And in the book of Acts... Once again, written by Luke, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So here Jesus is looking at them, and he's saying, listen... I need you guys to understand. I need you to realize that, that you need to wait on the gift that my Father's promised. Now, we've talked about this several times, but as you read through the Gospels, you, you realize and, and see that sometimes the disciples just didn't get it. You ever been talking to someone and, and you're telling them something and they've got that blank look on their face? And you can tell by the look in their eyes, they have no idea what you're talking about. How many people get that from your kids? 
You're telling them something and you're trying to explain to something and, and you're doing everything that you can and they got that blank look on their face and you think you're explaining it well and, and, and they'll look at you and say, I, I, I don't get it. Or they just change the subject. Well, that's what happens here. It says, um, then they gathered around him. He's just got through telling them, you need the Holy Spirit. It says, then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So Jesus is telling them, I'm gonna, the Father's going to send you a gift, something that you need. And basically what they say is, oh, okay, that's good. Now, are you going to do what, what we think you came to do? Completely changing the subject. And so he has to look at them and say, listen, guys, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father is set by his own authority. And then he gets back to what he's originally talking about. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be uh, my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So here Jesus is saying, in verse 7, he says, listen, it's not for you to know. How many people like to know everything? Come on, let's be honest. You want to know you want to know what you're doing next Friday at 7 o'clock. You just, you just want to know. If something happens, you want to know why. You're not one of those people that, that if, if something works in a certain way, you're going to research it because you want to know why it does what it does. Have you got those people? Well, sometimes we do that with God. God will do, and we think we have to know everything. And can I just ease your mind a little bit this morning, there are going to be things that happen in your life that you will never know why. There'll be things of God that you never know. Because it, it, what happens is if we think that we have to know everything, then we limit God to the size of our brain. For some of you, that's trouble. That joke went over a lot better in first service. Maybe I should have said, for me, that's trouble. How's that? But when we do that, we disconnect ourselves from, from the olive tree, from that continual flowing of the Holy Spirit, because we think that, that we have to know. And if you ever get to a point in your life that you think you have to know everything of God and about God, you'll end up being a lamp that burns out. But it doesn't have to be that way. You can live a life constantly filled with, with power, power that, that, that is supernatural, power that you can't explain or, or that you don't understand. In the midst of situations, you can stand firm and, and you can have faith because of this power. You can be bold in situations because of this power. But where does this power come from? It comes from the filling of the Holy Spirit. Well, how does that happen? Well, you, you ask Him, and then you start to commune with Him. And one of the ways that, that we commune with the Holy Spirit is, is through prayer. And so today, for, for a few minutes, I want to talk about Spirit-filled prayer. Learning to spend time with God every day. And then having seasons in your life that you devote to prayer and to fasting. Uh, that's why that we start off our year every January with 21 days of prayer and fasting. Because we are setting aside and we're saying, God, uh, we want to, to devote ourselves and to commit ourselves to your will and to your ways. It's so important. Prayer is so important to living a life filled by the Spirit. Because that prayer relationship helps develop this, this intimacy that we talked about last week that we have to have. 
This intimacy that, that he desires to have with us. I tell people all the time in, in, their, in counseling sessions, in relationships, you have to be open and you have to have communication because that produces intimacy. When, when, you be, when you have that close relationship, and the exact same thing is true with the Holy Spirit. You have that relationship that, that you know that, that you can tell Him anything and that He's there helping you and guiding you in, into all truth. So this morning, I want to give you three things about prayer. The first is the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer. For most people, if we're just being honest, prayer is like a a, a 911 call. Anybody ever have to call 911? You only call 911 in case of what? An emergency, right? A lot of times we treat God the same way. Here we are, we're going along and and we're trying to do things on our own and and we're trying to follow Christ and and we're trying to win the world and, and, and and then something happens in our life. Something doesn't work out the way that we think that it should. You know, we, we make a commitment to, to buy that new car because we think we're getting a raise and then the raise falls through and now we're thinking, oh God, what am I going to do? We, we make these decisions and, and, and we think that we have it all figured out and then something doesn't happen the way that we think that it should. And so in that moment, it's, it's like a 911 call to God. When we treat our prayer life that way, we understand that it's not a priority in our life. Prayer has to be a priority. If you look at the New Testament church, when we look at, at, at the way God wants to, to move in our world, and, and we always go back to the New Testament church when, when the church was founded. And we want to look at what, what was it that made them so successful? I mean, we know that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But why was it that, that people were being added to the church every day, that lives were being changed, that, that people were coming to the, the, the saving power and knowledge of Jesus Christ? Why did it happen then, but it doesn't seem like it's happening now? So we have to look and be very honest. When we look at the New Testament church in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, we read this, They all joined together when things were bad in prayer. No, it says they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Here it says that that they were constantly in prayer. They came together and they prayed. And then in Acts chapter 2, once again talking about the New Testament church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. This was something that they were doing continuously. They were getting together and they were praying. They were getting in their life group and they were praying. They were doing life together and they were praying. Constantly, they were getting together and they were praying. But so many times, it's our last resort. But instead of our last resort, prayer should be our first response. It should be our first response. It should be something that we do every day. We should pray first. We should pray first. That that should be our personal motto. 
And that needs to be the motto of this church. It has to become a way of life. Before you send that scathing text message, you ever had something that, that somebody says something to you and you just, it just, just hits you wrong and you start typing out that message that you know you're going to tell and give them a piece of your mind and, and you're typing it out and, 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 and then right before you hit send, you start erasing. You think, man, I probably shouldn't do that. You know why that is? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you've been in communion with me. You've been praying. Now, how many people are on the other end of that? And you, you start to type it out, and then you hit send, and then you realize you can't unsend? Once you hit that send button, baby, it ain't coming back. You ever send a text message to the wrong person? I did it one time. And so now I will type out the text message and then I check about two or three times to make sure that the, that right person's name is at the top. But when you live in a life of prayer, when you pray first, it changes your life. Before you leave the house in the day, before you start your day, pray first. Pray first. It's better to pray in the beginning than, than have to be in a counseling session and, and then pray. Prayer has to become a priority in our lives. Spirit-filled prayer has to be a part of our daily routine, which brings us to the second thing about prayer. There has to be a plan. A plan. How many people are list people? In other words, you like to, you like to have everything listed out. You like to, to you, you, you write down things and... and um, you want to know, you know, A, B, C, D, and you've got this long list, and, and uh, it's just, you just live better that way. And I'll be quite honest, I'm trying to get there, and I'm trying to have people help me get there because I understand that it is a better way to live. It's better than, than just uh, uh, not knowing what's happening the next day. I had someone show up yesterday for trunk or treat, a, a business and I hadn't told anybody they were coming because, honestly, I didn't make a list and I forgot that I'd asked them. And I hear on the radio, hey, did, uh, did somebody ask them? Not that we cared, but we, didn't have, we hadn't planned for them. And I said, I don't know if I did or not. So then I had to go back through my text messages and think, yeah, I did. But I didn't make a list. Making a list is a better way to live. I'd be a much better place in my life if I could learn to make a list. Y'all pray for me, okay? We have lists because we need a plan. And we need a plan when it comes to prayer. Uh, we read about how, and, and, and the, the, one of the most famous, what we consider prayers, is the, the Lord's, when the Lord taught the disciples how to pray. But what had happened is in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. So when we look at this, we think, well, and we'll learn it as a child. And we'll quote it. You know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, it's one of the first... But can I tell you, and we talk about this in growth track, 
Uh, we can use it as a prayer, but it really, it's a template. It's a template as to how we should pray. It, it's a list. It's a plan. And we look in the, the prayers recorded in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. It says, then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So the, he says, start off with worship. Start off with saying, Father, you're worthy. Father, I praise you. He said, our Father in heaven, recognize who he is. And then praise him. And then secondly, it says, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is saying, you need to start with his agenda. God, I I want your will. God, I want the things of you to be done. So often we start with our agenda. He says, start with his agenda. And then you could get to our agenda. And he says that next in verse 11. He said, give us today our daily bread. He said, you can ask for things. So we worship. We say, God, we want your will. Then we say, God, these are some things I need in my life. And then it says, forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. God, help me get my heart right. God, you know that that thing, that that, that person that said that thing to me yesterday just really got under my skin. God, help me forgive them just as you've forgiven me. God, help me not to hold a grudge. Help me not to to, uh, carry it to my grave. God, help me live a life of forgiveness because I've been forgiven. Then it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We say, God... Help me say yes to you and no to the enemy. Help me say yes to you and no to the things that tempt me to walk away or pull me away from you. And then he finishes it for thine is the the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So when we look at this, we can look at it as as a plan, a way that we can pray. You say, Pastor, I've never heard anything like that before. I'm telling you that, that when we go into something, yesterday with this trunk retreat, they had 47 meetings. And about the 47, well, I'm thinking, are we really going to talk about this again? But you know what? It went off flawlessly, to, to my knowledge. <laughs> Somebody come up and ask me something and say, this ain't, this ain't my show, baby. I'm just here to eat candy. <laughs> Pastor wrote about this. I don't know. Why? Because I knew they had a plan. I knew that they, they would take care of it. And if we could get our lives and our prayer life knowing that, that we have a plan, that, that we understand and, and realize that when it comes to praying, that we need to not only have a plan of what we're going to pray, but how we're going and when we're going to pray. It's been said that if we fail to plan, we plan to fail. It's so important not just to fly by the seat of our pants and say, well, anybody ever climbed in bed like after a busy weekend or like a busy day yesterday and you climb then and, and you just, you're one of those people that as soon as your head hits the pillow that, that you, you know, you start snoring. But before you can get that first snore out, you think, man, I didn't pray today. I didn't read my Bible today. And so then you're faced with that, that, that dilemma. And in that moment, you decided that you're going to live by grace and say, I'll, I'll take care of it tomorrow. Why is that? Because you, you, you didn't have a time set aside. You didn't have a time to set aside that this is the time and that I'm going to pray. 
How many people, you, you, you read the phone on your, or you read the Bible on your phone? You like to do that? I would do that, but I can promise you that I would get about, into about three verses and then I get a text message or I get a, a phone call. And so I found this neat thing. For, now, this is for iPhone users. Samsung probably hasn't got there yet, but they will one day, okay? Um, that you can set it so that when you open up a certain app, that your phone automatically goes and do not disturb. And so I set it up so that when I open my Bible app, that it's do not disturb. What am I saying? I'm saying, God, this time is yours. This time I'm not going to be distracted by anything that, that the enemy would try to bring against me to get me out of your word, to get me away from, from praying. And when you do that, you have a plan. It's so important. Thirdly, we have to know we need, prayer has to be a priority. It needs to have a plan. And we need to understand that there is power in prayer. And this is where I really wanted to drill down into this morning. There's power in prayer. And to do that, I want to look at a story found in the book of Acts. It's in Acts chapter 3. And so what we have here is, is you know, these guys have been filled with the Spirit. We read in, in, in chapter 1 and chapter 2 of the book of Acts that they were constantly in prayer. And so in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, guess where they're headed? They're headed to the place of prayer. And there's this guy that's sitting there, that is sitting there every day. He's crippled. And he's there begging for money. And every day he does the same thing. And every day, the same, as people are going to the temple to pray, he thinks, well, this would be a good place to sit because these people should be, you know, they should feel sorry for me and they should have the compassion of Christ. And so he's sitting there. And people have compassion on him. But, but when Peter and John get there, he once again asks for alms. He asks for money. And they look at him and say, man, I, 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 am, I, I just, all I've got is a debit card. I don't have any money. But then they look at him and say, but I have something better. And say, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And so he jumps up and he, and he starts leaping and he starts shouting. And you would think that now everybody that's watching this would think, man, that's awesome. That guy who's been sitting there, that guy that's been, you know, some of our attitudes, that guy's been bugging me for money for the last 10, 10 years, every time I try to go pray. He's been healed. He's up running around and he's jumping. You would think that you would think that, that would be good news. People didn't like it. Can I tell you that the world really doesn't revolve around good news? People don't really like good news. Uh, if you don't believe me, just turn on any news station of your choice. And I promise you, you're going to hear ten negative stories to one positive. And that's being generous. Why is that? Because positive stories don't sell. Why is that? Because we, by nature, are negative. We, by nature, are negative. Why do you think in Philippians that Paul had to write and had to tell us Hey, if there's any, you need to think about these things. 
You need to think about these things. And he listed out all of these things. And all of those things were positives. He said, we have got to, to think about them because we're by nature negative. The world is going to find something to fuss about. Listen, th things in, 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 let's just be honest. My wife gets nervous when I say that. When I say, yeah, I can see her. She sort of, if, if I say I'm going to be honest because she never knows what's going to come out. But things can be going and happening well at the church. Things can be going good. And I can guarantee you that somebody is going to find something negative. Well, I just, you know, I didn't like that song. I've been in church my entire life. And I've watched it play over and over. I told somebody the other day, I said, when I start feeling like that, you know, that I've got it bad, I call some of my other pastor friends because I know they have it a lot worse than I do. And they think I'm calling to check on them, but, but I know when I call, they're going to vent about all their problems in their church, and it makes me feel better. So, you know, we kill two birds with one stone. But I begin to, to think about how that people, they just, they, they thrive on the negative. Something to be upset about. Well, that's what happens here. This guy's been healed, but Peter and John, they're brought to the religious leaders. Thousands of people were saved because of this miracle, but they're brought to the religious leaders. They're threatened. They're punished. And then the Bible says that after that, they were released. So in Acts chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, we see what happens. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So they went back and said, listen, they've told me that if I don't shut up, they're going to do this and this and this and this. What did they do? It says, when they told the people that this is what we've been threatened with, it says, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In that moment, it says, they raised their voices together in prayer. They gathered together and they prayed. Powerful prayers are united. They all came together and they began to pray. Listen, you want to see culture changed? You want to see revival in our, in our communities, in our land? It's not something that's just going to happen. The Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 4, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. Then will I forgive their sin, and then will I heal their land. He says, if you want, it's not just going to happen. He said, if, if my people, if you will do this, if you will come together and pray this way, united together, that I'll hear you, I'll forgive you, and I'll heal you. Jesus said in eight, Matthew chapter 18, verses 18 through 20, Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. It says when you come together as believers and followers of Christ, and you believe, and you pray together, and you come together, and you lift up the name of God, and you ask, and you pray, 
And then you pray a little more and you keep doing it. Even when it looks like that, that every time you do it, things are getting worse. It says keep doing it. Peter and John could have said, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. Because when I do that, you know, things just gotten, got worse. No, they kept praying. A.T. Pearson said this. He said, there's never been a spiritual awakening, awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. Coming together, believing in one mind, in one accord. Acts chapter 4, verse 25 says, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? So here they are, and they're praying. They're in this situation. And what they do is, is they go back to the book of Psalm, and they quote a verse found, I believe, in chapter 2. And so they acknowledge, they said, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant. In other words, they're saying, we know that, that, that the Holy Spirit spoke and that David held the pen and he wrote, because that's what we believe. That the, the word of God is, is, is inspired by God. And they found the perfect verse to fit their situation. And from that, we need to understand and realize that you're going to go through situations in life. But when you go through those situations, that there are verses that will fit that situation that tells you God's will. Powerful prayers are scriptural. I've heard people say, well, I'm just praying for God's will. I'm just praying for God's will. Uh, can I tell you that, that, that His will, He spoke it already. And it's in this beautiful book that we call the Bible. This is His will. This is His will. When we say, we don't have to pray, God, if it's your will, save our community. No, why? Because we know that it's his will. Why do we know that? Because he's told us in his word. God, I know it's your will for people to be transformed. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So what that's saying is, is that, that there are promises that God has made. And we understand that those promises are true, that they're just. And all he's waiting for us to do is to proclaim those promises. Do you know what the word amen means? It means so be it. So when we look at the promises of God and we see what he has said that his will is, we can say, yes, God. And it says that when we do that, that it raises to heaven. And that he hears and he sees us proclaiming his will in our life. That amen, it is sins to God. The Bible tells us in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. It says that my house will serve the Lord. <laughs> I get my daily water and my uh, weekly water intake here. All right, I'm good till next Sunday. Joshua chapter 24, 15 says that, that for my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We can proclaim that. Why? Because it's God's word. Whatever situation you are in, it may look like that your family is going crazy and your kids have lost their mind, but you can say, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You may know someone who is sick. Maybe it's you or maybe it's a, it's a loved one. And the doctor says that, you know, that, that they're not going to make it. Well, we can proclaim Psalms 118 says, 
that I will live and not die, and I will declare the words of the Lord. People look at the church and say, man, the, the church is really in trouble. The church is really going down. The church seems like that, it, that it's just a sinking ship. But we can look at the Bible and say that he's told us that, that God's going to build his church and, and that the gates of hell is not going to prevail against it. Psalms 32 says that, that when things seem like they're insurmountable. You ever had those, those days? We talked about them last week. It seems like that it's, they're insurmountable, that, that everything is just going wrong. But Psalms 32 says, God is my hiding place. He will protect me from, from trouble. And he will surround me with songs of deliverance. We have promises from God. And anything that you're going through, when you go to pray, you can declare those promises because they've been written. They're the, God's will for your life. Some of us need 1 John 4, 4 that says, Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You think, well, man, the, the devil has been so busy. The devil's been attacking me left and right. Anybody ever feel that way? Anybody feel that way this morning? Listen. <clears throat> okay, I lied. Maybe two drinks. Probably still trying to wash down all that chocolate from the trunk or treat last night. Somebody says, man, the devil is fighting so hard. I got, I got a text message this morning. And uh, you know we're pretty technically connected here. And um, without power, stuff doesn't work real well. And uh, so this morning on the way to church, I get a text message that all the power just went out. And, uh, and then something else, and it was Pastor Nick was texting me, and, and then something else happens. And, and then his response was, get ready, because revival's getting ready to happen. Why is that? Because he understands. He knows that, 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 that when we're walking and we're starting to do things, and things are starting, and God's starting to move, the devil's going to fight. If you're not butting heads with the devil on a daily basis, you need to be concerned. If you're not butting heads with the devil on a daily basis, you need to be concerned. Because he's going to fight. That's in God's word. It says he, he, he's going around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It says he tries to kill and steal and destroy. But God said, I'm greater. I'm greater. You say, well, 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 my finances are all messed up and I'll never get out of this hole. The Bible tells us in Philippians 4, 19, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Pastor, I'm, I, I live in fear. I just, I, I'm so scared. I'm scared of my own shadow. Uh, I'm scared of, uh, of this darkness. Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I be afraid of? The Lord will bless our comings and, and our goings both now and forevermore. We can pray and declare these things in our life because they're His will. Prayer is a, is a prophecy to my future. You see, too often we, we treat God like a genie. And with a genie, you know, he pops out and he says, you know, your wish is my command. How many people have fantasized about that happening, you know? You know, if you could have two wishes, what would they be? You know, well, one wish would be that I could have a thousand more wishes. You know, that kind of thing. We all, can I tell you that that's not, that's not God? He's not a genie. Our wish is not his command. But if we could begin to live our life where his commands are our wish where His promises are what we stand on, 
He's already spoken it in his word. In Acts chapter 4, verse 29 through 31. I'm trying to hurry. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Great boldness. And then we look in James chapter 5, verse 16, where we're told, Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. And then it says this, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Can I tell you the word there that is used is the same Greek word where we get the word energy. So when he says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, he's saying someone who prays with fervency, with energy, God hears those, and they work. God's looking for people who will pray with boldness, who will pray with energy, a lot of times we, we just pray for little things. Mark Batterson said, God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. When you pray something bold, what you're saying is, is God, I know that this may seem awful big to me, but it's nothing to you. And so when we pray bold prayers, what we're saying is, is God, I know that in my own eyes, it looks like that, that I'm asking for a whole lot, but I know that, that there's nothing impossible for you. And so I'm standing and I'm praying boldly. Instead of praying for, for your neighbor to get saved, pray for your community to get saved. Instead of praying to just have just enough, pray that God gives you more than enough. Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's 400 years of silence. And in this moment, they, they, they thought God was gone. The, the, this was the generation before Jesus. They thought all was lost, and, and they were in the midst of a, a, a terrible drought. A drought where this generation hadn't seen rain. And so they just they thought, okay, this is over. This is the way it's going to end. And there was one man by the name of Honey. And begin to, to, to read and study a little bit about him this week and read different accounts. And so Honey decided to come out among the people. And what he did was he had a, had a shepherd's staff. And he took the shepherd's staff and he held it out. And it's like a protractor. He just began to spin around and he drew a circle. And so there he was. He was in, in the midst of this circle. And in this circle, he knelt down and he began to pray. And his first prayer was this, Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. And it says immediately sprinkles begin to, to fall down. Now for a lot of us, we would have been satisfied. We'd have said, okay, you know, there's, there's, thank you God. We've got a little bit of sprinkle. You had an entire generation who had never seen rain. And they got a, just a little bit of a sprinkle. Honey didn't come out of that circle. It says he continued to pray. And he says, God, not for such a rain I prayed. In other words, he's saying, God, I, I didn't pray for sprinkles. I'm praying for rain that will fill cisterns and pits and, and caverns. 
So he's standing in this circle and saying, God, I, I thank you for the sprinkle, but that's not what I'm asking for. I'm, I'm praying bold here. And Jewish history book says that in that moment that, that the drops of rain became like the size of eggs. So you can imagine these people who have never seen rain before. You can imagine that, that they become a little bit scared. And it says that they were so afraid that they ran to the Temple Mount because they were afraid of flooding and, and what this water was going to do. So they're all running and you're all scared, but not honey. It says he stayed right there in the midst of that circle. And he says, okay, God, that's not what the rain I prayed for either. Because you know how just those big, heavy downpours, right? I mean, you'll, you'll drive through them. There's just one big, heavy downpour, and then it just stops. And he said, okay, that's, that's not what I'm praying for. So once again, he says, not for such a rain I've prayed, but for rain of our favor, blessing, and graciousness. He prayed that because he knew that, that Israel needed more than just drops in the soil. They needed a revival. They needed steady rain. They needed a touch in their hearts. And it says in that moment that, that, that it went from a downpour to just a steady, slow rain. That's what we need in our lives. We need the continual, steady flow of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that, that God is looking for some people who, who will draw a circle in the sand and say, God, I'm going to stay right here in this circle. God, I'm praying and believing, not just for my family, but for my neighborhood. Not just for my neighborhood, but for my city. Not just for my city, but for my country. God, I'm staying right here, and, and I'm believing that I'm just not going to be able to just pay this bill but that you're going to give me more than enough to be able to, to help people. God, I'm not just going to, to limit you to, to what I can think. I'm drawing a circle. Mark Batterson wrote a book, and it's called The Circle Maker. God, I, I'm drawing a circle around my marriage. God, I'm drawing a circle around our church. God, I'm drawing a circle around my kids. God, I'm drawing a circle around my city. God, I'm drawing a, a, a circle around my life. And I'm going to pray, and I'm going to keep praying, and I'm going to believe, and I'm going to keep believing. And I'm going to not just pray things that aren't bold, because I know that bold prayers honor you. And if we can get to a point in our life that we can live with that attitude, if we can get... when. It talks about in the New Testament how that we'll receive power and that power is going to give us boldness. It's not just talking about boldness to stand on a street corner and tell people about Jesus. Yes, that's, you have boldness in your witness. But I believe that it's talking about a boldness about the way that we live our lives. A boldness that says... I know what things may look like, but I know who my God is. And we walk in that. We walk in that boldness. We walk in that power. When Peter and John walked up to this man, if they wouldn't have had boldness in knowing who Christ was, they knew that they couldn't make him get up and walk. But they had a boldness because they had been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. They had a boldness to know that they could look at that man and say, in the name of Jesus, 
get up and walk. And that boldness, they walked in it. I believe that there's some things in our lives that we need to be to have boldness about. Things that we've just started to accept. Things that we say, well, that's just the way that it's going to be. I'm telling you, these things come by prayer and by fasting. Boldness. Continual communion with the Holy Spirit. Spirit-filled prayer. Because when you do that, you know what the Bible tells us? It says, when you don't know how to pray. You ever been in a situation and you think, God, I just don't even know what to say. It says, in those moments that the Holy Spirit will pray for you. Why? Because He knows what you need. More than we know ourselves. And better than we know ourselves. Spirit-filled prayer. So here's how we're going to end today. It's been a little bit different, more instructional than, but I believe so much that that's where it starts. This is where it starts. If we're going to see, listen, we can do all the trunk or treats we want to. We can give out all the food baskets and all the gifts at Christmas that we want to. But if we're not doing them, with the boldness and with the power of the Holy Spirit, we're nothing more than just an organization helping the community, which I'm all for. But those people that got candy yesterday, there's something a lot greater than that piece of chocolate. Those people that we give gifts to, to put under their tree, there's a greater gift that they need. And if we don't have the, the prayer and we're not filled with the Spirit and don't have the boldness to know who we serve, they'll never figure it out. So I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. And here's what I'm going to, I'm going to invite you to do. We're going to pray. And I'm asking you. The Bible tells us that effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man works. And so I'm asking you today to begin to pray bold prayers. Begin to declare in your life. I'm not talking about God give me a million dollars and that you're going to walk out and there's going to be a, you know, a check floating through the parking lot. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is, is there are things in this word that God said, These are my, this is my will for your life. There are promises there, and, and, and I'm not preaching uh, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, or whatever you want to call it. But I'm saying there are things in that word that we can proclaim, that we can stand on. God hears our prayers. And just like Peter and John, there'll be times that you pray, and one of the hardest things is, as a pastor is when we pray for something and it doesn't happen. When we pray for something and we thank God, I believe, we had people believing and it didn't happen. God, why didn't it happen? And you know how we talked about before that there's things that we'll never know? We may never know. But what we have to stand on is, is that God's word's true. 
And then there's a promise in there and, and a proclamation that says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. And so in that moment, that's where faith comes in. We have faith to know and say, God, I don't understand it. God, we prayed for it. But just in, as in his word, we say, God, I trust you. God, I may not see it, but I trust you. Peter and John were praying, and it seems like things went from bad to worse. They kept praying. So I'm asking you this morning to be bold enough to draw a circle and start to, to declare and proclaim those things in your life and in the lives of your family and say, God, I'm not going to move. I'm going to keep praying. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep praying. I'm not going to lose faith. I'm going to keep praying. Why? Because we know that he's good and that he hears our prayer. Let's pray. Father, I come before you this morning. God, I'm so thankful for your promises. God, I'm so thankful that, that you didn't leave us just to, to wander in life without any direction or any instruction. God, I thank you for your word. God, as we have looked into your word this morning, God, I pray that you will open up our eyes and our hearts, God, to know, Father, what your will is for our lives. God, I pray that as, as we look into and we begin to, to think about the importance of prayer, God, that first of all, we'll make it a priority in our life. God, that we will have a plan. And God, that we will understand and realize that, that we're not just uttering up meaningless words, but God, that there is power in prayer. God, help us to develop an intimacy with the Holy Spirit that pleases you. God, help us to know that when we don't know what to do and when we don't know what to pray, God, that you do. God, as we cry out to you this morning, God, may we be able to, to be filled continually with your spirit, communion daily with your spirit. God, to lead and guide and direct us into all truth. Father, I declare... God, I pray blessing over my life, my family, my church, my community. God, I know that you have told us that we must pray. God, give us a sense of urgency. Give us a sense of determination like we've never had before. God, may today not have just been just a, another Sunday. But God, may we leave here with a greater understanding and a, and a better revelation of what it means to have spirit-filled prayer. God, we declare it and we claim it. Not because we say so, but God, because you do. Father, we love you. God, we praise you. Can you sing this course this morning as we declare his word? His favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you.
upon you in a thousand generations in your family and your children and their children and let you sing that again may his favor be upon you in a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and the children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you he's with you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening and you're coming and you're going and you're weeping and rejoicing he is for you he is for you he is for you he is for you to him. declared in our life forever and forever Amen sometimes we get in we've got time schedules and we get in such a hurry and we think man we've got to get from this thing to that thing and I've got this and but as I stand here and I listen to the rain that's taking place outside right now it doesn't sound like it, it, it sounds like it's an outpouring And I can't help but think that's what God wants to do in our lives. That's what He wants in our lives. An outpouring of rain. An outpouring that causes flash floods in our life. That it affects. You know, you know what happens when, when lots of rain happens? You know, when we had that, just something like I'd never seen in Russell a few weeks ago. If you live that way, you know. And that rain affected everybody around it. That's what God wants to do in your life. And that's what He wants to do in my life. He wants an outpouring of His Holy Spirit in our life that it affects 
everything around us. That it makes people uncomfortable. Not in a bad way, but it keeps them from wanting to stay where they are. It prompts them to to step into something. It affects everything around you. That's what God wants. So just for a couple of minutes, nobody wants to go outside and get drenched. It'd be a lot better to get drenched right here, right now. So as Nick sings, and I understand if you need to go, but if you're willing just for a couple of more minutes to to stand in that circle that we drew and say, God, pour out your rain in my life. Can we do that just for a couple of minutes together? Let it rain. Let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. Let it rain. Let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. Let it rain. Let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. Let it rain. Simple chorus. Let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. pray that you will let it rain in our lives, in our families, that we'll have a spiritual awakening this morning as we're called back to the Father, as the Holy Spirit has his way in our lives. in the Old Testament we see so many times we see how that, that there's a, a time of drought and um, we look at that and we think you know, why, why, is that, why does it seem like there's always a time of drought I believe that because when we look in, in, in knowing that that's a representation of our lives 
And that there's going to be times in your life that you feel so dry. And it's in those moments that you have to cry out, God, let it rain. God, not just a, not, mm, not just a quick downpour that I can get when I'm at church on Sunday morning. Not just a quick fix, but God, I need a steady rain in my life. Day after day after day after day. If you're living your life just to make it to church on Sunday so that you can get filled up, and then by the time you get here Sunday, you're on dry, you're not doing it right. Pray for a steady rain that fills your life and gives you strength to take one step at a time, one day at a time. We love you. I pray that God's done something in your life. I know we went longer today, but you know sometimes I think we just need to slow down. Slow down and let God speak to us. And when we do that, we take time. He sees our faithfulness and our commitment. We love you. Have a great day. Sunday, uh, I think it's still raining, so um, hang out here as long as you want. We love you. Have a great day.